Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. So I heard the nudging, the gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit and I said yes. Fruit is easy for him. Character. Character exposes who you really are and what's really in you. You go home and you yell and fuss at people, you kick the cat, you, you cast the dog out or what, what have you. Strength of character under pressure. Character is strength under pressure. It's who you really are. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Well, welcome everybody here under the sound of my voice here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. And welcome all of you that are joining us online, wherever you are all around the world. We thank you so very much for tuning in today. I know the Lord does have a rich and relevant word which will, which will challenge you and inspire you to walk in higher heights and deeper depths with Christ. Thank you for joining us today. All right, everybody, today we want to speak from the subject of all I can say is 12. 12. You'll get, we'll get there today. We'll get there. But first of all, let me give you another word that the Lord gave me uh, just last night. And I love the way that the Holy Spirit brings course corrections. I love the way that he gently nudges us back to where we should be. I love that. For weeks now, maybe even for a month or so, maybe longer, we've been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've been praying for an outpouring of miracles, signs, and wonders. That's really been my heart as I've been just crying out before the Lord. Then the Lord gently nudges me and tells me, of course, not in these, not in every word. This is not a word by word, but this is what I received in my heart. Telling me that I must first pray for strength of character. First pray for the strength of character. And then I saw a fruit tree. I saw its branches full of fruit. And I saw a branch that was not strong, a limb that was not strong. I saw the fruit on that limb began to break because of the weight of fruit. So the Lord says before he will weight us down with fruit, he will produce in us a strength of character that will hold the fruit. For if the Lord brings you some things in your life that you desire and you have not the character, it will break you. And a broken limb on a tree does not eat from the nutrients of the tree, does not receive from the tree. You crack your connection. I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven, but I'm saying that you will be less effective in the earth. And this is why some... And I saw that some got exactly what they asked for. 
And they went up like a, they went up like a firecracker. It was very, it's the explosion was beautiful, but then you never heard from them again because they cracked. The fruit, the weight of glory was too much for them. They were not prepared for it. So the Lord says, pray for the strength of character to be developed. And as an add-on, he'll give you the fruit. Pray for the character of Christ to be revealed in you. And as an add-on, he'll give you the fruit. So I heard the nudging, the gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit, and I said, yes. Fruit is easy for him. Character. Character exposes who you really are and what's really in you. You go home and you yell and fuss at people. You kick the cat. You... you cast the dog out or what, what have you. Strength of character under pressure. Character is strength under pressure. It's who you really are. It's who you are when the lights are not on, when the cameras are not going, when you're not at the church, when you're not a, around Christian people. Strength of character. When they're really pressing on you and you really want to cuss them out, what do you do? Strength of character. Character in relationships, character in marriages. We're still lying one to another. We're still hiding things. Still gossiping. Still looking at lustful things. Strength of character. Still fornicating. Strength of character. Still committing adultery. It's there. And so we're praying for the power of God to be revealed in us. The Lord says, pray for strength of character. Because the character of God will keep you when nothing else will. If you, if you lay hands on no one else and, no, and you see no one else get healed, if you see no other demons cast out, if you see no one raised from the dead, but you have the character of Christ, you will win many souls to Christ, many souls to the Lord. Just virtue by virtue of your character, seeing a good godly life. After all, after a while, they may think that your healings and deliverances and your miracles are just parlor tricks. You may see they have some, uh, some experiences like uh, Jameson Jambres in the Old Testament who were able to copy some of the work that Moses did. They couldn't duplicate it, but they could try their best to copy it. So the Lord will add the signs, the wonders, the miracles. He will add them. And they will complement, they are meant to complement the character of Christ within you complement the character of Christ. They're never meant to replace his character. When Jesus shows through you to the world, the world changes. Our first priority is to exemplify the character and nature of Jesus. Our first priority is to look like him. Hear me, child of God. Your first priority 
is to look like him. If we are married, our first priority, husbands, is to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself forward. If you are married, you are wife, your first priority is submit to your, submit to your, to your husband, your spouse, as the church has submitted to Christ. The both of you submitted to Jesus one to another. Submitted to Christ and submitted one to another. It's integrity in your taxes. Integrity on the job. Integrity. I could care less about the size of your church, about the amount of anointing you have flowing over you. But if I can't see Christ in you, it's worthless. It's useless. We must have the character and nature of Jesus. When we look in God's mirror, we should see Jesus looking back at us. Sooner or later, someone has got to say, if there's no other Christian in the world, I know you must be one. Instead of the usual testimony, if you're a Christian, then the the woods are full of them. No. In these last days, character, the character of Christ lived out in a godly life will win many souls to Christ. Healing, miracles, words of knowledge, uh, prophetic utterances, all these other things. Wonderful, the glory cloud descending. I want to see all of this. I want to see the manifestation of God's power and his presence. But if we're still in idolatry, worshiping other things, worshiping other people, what use is it? If we're holy on Sunday, but Saturday and Friday we're drunk. What difference does any of it make? What difference does it make? If we have the biggest house in the neighborhood and the fanciest car, what difference does it make? It's the character, the character of Christ that the Father's looking for, and he will bless a life of character. He will bless a life of character. So this child of God, this people of God, is what the Father's looking for. The fruit, he says yes. Prosperity, he says yes. Miracles, signs, and wonders, he says yes. But it's your character. Your character is what, he look, is what he's looking for. So if we're going to live godly lives, godly lives, we're going to have to stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Sins that are covered. If your sin is covered in your life, you shall not prosper. That's the word of God. If you cover your sin, you shall not prosper. We want to be real? Seek the character of God. And this is something that is willing to give to you. This is something that is lived out day by day. And the pressure is not on you to manifest that. You understand that, right? Because you can't do it no matter how hard you try. You're going to have to go before him and ask him, Lord, help me. 
and confess your sin before him. We're going to have to daily repent before him and ask him, Lord, Lord, present in me or reveal in me your character. Let the character of Christ Jesus be revealed on the inside of me. Lord, when the people see me, let them not just see me, but let them see the character of Christ through me. Live through me. Not just before those that say they love me. Oh, and that's another story. Sometimes we're more willing to let other people see how godly we are, but the ones at home, we, that's not so much the case. Character must be lived out. It must start at home. And then it should spread abroad. What would it matter for you to be a public success but a private failure? What would it matter? Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today. Hear the voice of God. Our first priority is to exemplify the character and nature of Christ. Saying, Lord, live through me and it doesn't matter the character of God does not matter how other people treat him you realize that right even when Jesus was hanging up on the cross he said father forgive them for they for they know not what they do and that's why the Lord says love your enemy he says do good to them he says pray for those that are persecuting you and accusing you and coming against you he says pray for them bless them bless them the character of Christ has nothing to do with how people treat you, but everything to do of how you allow the Lord to use you to treat them. You're yielding to his spirit. Talk about true worship, obedience. I'm telling you, signs, wonders, miracles, wealth, all of that will follow character. It will follow character. And your character, is really, your character is really revealed when no one else is watching. When no one else is watching. So we cry out to the Lord. If we say nothing else, so we cry out to the Lord to reveal to us godly character. And we will not accept the darkness within us. We will not accept evil within us. But instead of cursing the darkness, we ask, Lord, reveal the light in us. Because when the light comes, darkness must flee. Focus on the light. Focus on the light. The Lord gave me this to give you today in the book of Mark, the fifth chapter. The book of Mark, the fifth chapter. And the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, the entire fifth chapter is just golden. And one thing that uh, has really been impressed upon me is to read the entire chapter to you today. Because I realize that not everyone is familiar with the Bible. Not everyone is. So, I'm not going to suppose that you are. So we're going to read the entire chapter of uh, Mark, the fifth chapter. But in order to make this more... I don't know what the word is. In order to make this a more enjoyable experience, we decided to put some, put some production value behind it. 
All right. So we're going to do this because that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to do media work, right? That's a portion of what we do. That's a portion of who we are. So listen and pay attention to the book of Mark, the fifth chapter. Let's go ahead and enroll that. The book of Mark, chapter five. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadareans. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torment me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again, not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, 
he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned about in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, Who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Teletha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. All right, that was Mark, the fifth chapter. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Wasn't that wonderful? Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for your patience. Some of you already noticed the woman with the issue of blood. Yes, you know, Pastor Simico played that part. So she did a great job, didn't she? She did a great job. All right, so now you're familiar with Mark, the fifth chapter. So let's go ahead and start with this message briefly. We're going to have to go into a part two and three, I know, but we'll see. We'll speak from the subject of 12 once again. So we're going to go into the scripture. I want to go back to verse number 
to verse number 21. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen for you. I want to show you a few things here because there are a great number of things. And, and one thing I want to ask you to do is take away all preconceived notions. Sometimes when you speak about a, a verse of scripture that people are familiar with, they already pigeon-toe it and say, all right, I know what you're going to talk about. No, you don't. <laughs> so today we're going to go deeper, deeper in the word of God. So I pray that you will hear what the Lord has to say. One thing I want to show you is in verse number 28. I mean, there's just so much. We know that this woman is, she has been having this issue for about 12 years. We're going to talk about that 12 in just a minute. When she heard of Jesus, she obviously had to hear that he was possibly the Messiah, the Son of God and the Son of Man, and that he had miracle-working power. And so the Bible says that she came in the press behind him. She came in the press. And one word I want you to understand, that is, that as we look at this number 12, the number 12 is a foundational number. It's foundational. But I want you to notice this in verse number 28. We'll get back to 12, 12 in a minute. The Bible says in verse 28, it says, for she thought for, rather she don't thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Look at that. The very first word, if. She said, if I can do this. Why was she saying if? Because in order for her to receive her miracle, in order for her life to uh, in, in order for the suffering to end in her life, she would have to get through a crowd of people. She would have to get through human flesh. She'd have to get through their opinions and if they, her, her own fears, if they only knew what condition I had, then things would be very much different. It would go a different way altogether. In order for you to reach Messiah Jesus, Emmanuel, you're going to have to get through people and even your own fears. She said, if I can do this, if I can do this without anybody discovering what I am or what I have, if I can do this, can I make it through the flesh of this crowd of people, this press of people that are crowding around him? She'd have to get low. She'd have to get low, which talks about repentance. And she'd have to touch his hymn. Let's talk about this word 12. We'll get back to that in just a moment. You'll notice that the word 12 again, as I said, the word 12, the number 12 is foundational. 12, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Foundation. There were 12 disciples. Foundation. There are 12 gates to the city. Foundational. 12 is foundational, which means that everything will be built upon it. So the Lord is trying to give us a foundational principle or foundational keys in Mark, the fifth chapter. If you don't watch it, you'll miss it and it'll go right by you. This is foundational for life. Scripture says also that this number 12 was mentioned twice in this text in Mark, the fifth chapter, twice. And they were mentioned in conjunction with miracles. 
The number two, the Lord said here in Matthew, the 18th chapter, Matthew 18, verse number 16, the Lord, as it talks about legal things concerning the church, he says, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So he's establishing a foundational principle here. Something that is essential for life. And he's going to use these two miracles. He's going to use the woman with the issue of blood. And he's going to use Jairus' daughter. Notice for a moment, I want you to see this. This also has to do with rejection. Let's talk about that for a moment. The foundational principles also have to do with rejection. Notice Jesus was also rejected twice in Mark, the fifth chapter. He was rejected once by the townspeople when he cast, that, cast the demon spirits out of that man. They told Jesus, go away from us. And he was also rejected at Jairus' house. They laughed him to scorn. Now, the Bible declares that Jesus is the seed. In Mark, uh, the fourth chapter, verse 14, it says, the sower soweth the word. Jesus is the seed. He is the word and he's also the seed. Now you'll understand something. When they rejected Jesus, they rejected the seed. One thing you will never find in scripture is where the seed of God and rejection remain in the same place. One has to leave. You, will not, you may find them, but you will not find them both in the same place at the same time for very long. Once Jesus was rejected by the townsfolk, he's the seed. The seed is rejected. And so at that time, the seed left. He left the environment. At Jairus' house, the seed was there again. Jesus, the seed was there. And the people rejected him. But in that case, Jesus rejected the rejection. One will remain. In this woman's case, she had been bleeding for 12 years. Her life was full of rejection. Because in that culture, if anyone touched her, then they would be considered unclean until the next day. She would have to go through town, wherever she went and, and declared, unclean, 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 unclean. Then people would see her and they would go the other way. Anything she touched or sat upon was also considered unclean. We'll see this really, uh, and if you look at this in terms of the COVID virus, when it first started there in 2020, when people thought you had it, they would say, you need to cry out unclean. They said, we don't want you, we don't want to get what you got. Unclean, unclean, unclean. If somebody in your house got it, you barricaded them in their room. We don't want, you, we don't want what you got. You stay in your room. It was very scary. Unfortunately, a lot of people did die. But if you had it, you were considered unclean. Don't touch me. Don't come around me. If you coughed or sneezed in those days, don't come around me. They were rejecting you. This woman's life was like that for 12 years. 
If she had a husband, couldn't touch her husband. If she had kids, she couldn't touch her kids. If she had family, couldn't touch her family. Couldn't go to church, couldn't do anything. She went to doctor after doctor after doctor, seeking an answer for this, seeking relief from the suffering. Couldn't find it. But as the scripture says, she got worse. Didn't get any better. And this rejection, again, this, her life was one of rejection, People rejected her, and even her own body was rejecting. Because in her menstrual cycle, her body was saying that I am trying to prepare to give life. And every day, her body would reject, 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 reject more and more tissue, more and more blood, just reject, reject in a constant state. She stayed in a perpetual state of preparation for 12 years. Her body was saying, I want to prepare for life. I want to prepare for life. It's not now. I want to prepare for life. I'm preparing for life. I'm preparing for life. I'm preparing for life. For 12 years, that was the confession of her body. I'm preparing for life. I'm preparing for life. She was in a perpetual state of preparation without any power. Always preparing, but never finding any relief. And if you notice these two daughters, she was a daughter, of course, of Abraham and Jairus' daughter as well. This older woman here, we're not told her age, but for 12 years she prepared with no results. Can you imagine that? The preparation was killing her. The preparation was killing her. Always somebody telling you, hey, you're going to be something. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. You're going to do this. You're always preparing, but nothing ever getting done. And so there she was, stuck for 12 years. And Jairus' daughter, 12 years old, just at the age when she's about to go through the change into womanhood, she's possibly about to start her cycle. But just as though she was trying to start it, she was cut off. So one couldn't stop bleeding and the other one couldn't start. Couldn't start ministry and this one couldn't help but kept going over the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And this one here, just when she's about to bud, it ends. Only Jesus can bring these two together. This is a foundational principle. Mentioned once? No, but it's mentioned twice. The Lord's saying, look at this. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. If you find yourself in a perpetual state of always trying to prepare, you're bleeding. Bleeding. You're bleeding. Always trying to move forward. 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 And it gets so frustrating. You can use all of your money trying to prepare. Let me try this. Let me do this. Let me run this campaign. Let me, let me try this technique. Let me go to this church. Let me go here. Let me go there. Let me go here. And all of a sudden, you still don't have any money left, and you're not any better. You still don't understand. Always trying. 
And maybe you're fresh. You've got a word from God and you're going to start now. But then you're cut short. And it's over before it really begins. What a miserable place to be in. What a miserable place to be in. Twelve is a foundational number. The seed, Jesus, must be received in order for life to come forth. And this is what this is about. When the seed is rejected, no life can come forth. But as we said before, Jesus was rejected in, by the townsfolk and he was rejected at Jairus' house. And the seed and rejection cannot stay in the same place. One has got to go. But now here comes this woman whose life is riddled with rejection outside and inside. She comes into the presence of the seed and one of them has got to go. This condition has no use. It can't help but to dry up when she comes in contact with the seed. And what happens here? The Bible says that she came and she said, if I may but touch the hem of his robe, if I can but touch the hem of his robe, the hem of his robe, if I can't but touch this, I shall be whole. Now, many Bible commentators and historians will tell you that this hymn that she's talking about is, is from his talith, his, his prayer shawl. And every one of those tassels at the end of his prayer shawl represented God's commitment to his people or, or their commitment to him, represented what God was going to do in, in their lives. It, it had a number of meanings. It represented the law. It represented a, many, a, a myriad of things. But hear this, and we can go so deep into that. And maybe one day we will go so deep into that. But let me tell you something very simple. The things of God are so simple, especially when they are revealed by the Spirit. She came to him and touched the hem of his garment. The hem is the, the part of the garment that is closest to the ground. The hem is the end of the garment. She touched his end. When she touched his end, the end of his earthly ministry, that's what that was about. When she touched his end, that talked about his death and his burial and his soon resurrection. When she touched his end, when she came to her end, I can't do anything else. I'm desperate. When she came to her end, she touched his end and power flowed into her life when she came to her end and touched his end the foundational principle is this and it is very simple new life always springs forth from death new life always springs forth from death when you identify with the death of the Lord. 
when you identify with the burial of the Lord. And Jesus didn't just stop there at the burial. We understand that he had to go into hell and burn up our sins. If you look at the pattern of all the Old Testament sacrifices, after the lamb or the animal was killed, his blood was shed, then it went to the altar to be burned. The Lamb of God had to be burned in the fires of hell, in the lake of fire, because all of our sin would have to be burned off of him. He would have to destroy our sins in the lake, completely burned off, completely burned away, and then rise, that's that fire baptism, rise from that place with all power in his hand. Life comes after death. She had to realize, I've come to my end, and I must touch his end. The foundational principle is you must identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me show you some scriptures. Let's go to the book of John, John, the 12th chapter, John 12. And Jesus says this very well in, in verse 23 through 25. He says, and Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. Verse 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides, abideth alone. But if it die." It bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. What are you trying to save your life for? You trust God with your soul. Trust him with your life. Come to the end. Come to the end. Come to the end. You're not always right. You realize that, right? You really don't know it all. I know they call you Mr. Know-it-all, but you really don't know it all. I know you're smart. You got some degrees. And from, what, from where I come from, they call it edumacation. I know you got it. But you're going to have to trust the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to trust him. Let me show you this. Even in Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20. The Bible says here, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The apostle identifies with the death of Christ, with the burial of Christ. He identifies with, with that, he identifies with the fact that Jesus not only died for him, but Jesus died as him. He not only died for him or as him, he also died with him. I was buried with Christ. I died with Christ. Therefore, I shall be raised to new life with Christ. You must identify with his hymn, with his end. 
Let me show you two more scriptures in Romans, the sixth chapter. Let me tell you exactly what this is talking about. Romans, the sixth chapter, verses three through four. And as I'm closing, it says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from dead, raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may, may live new lives. There is life after death. Romans, the seventh chapter, verse number four, one verse. Romans 7, verse 4 says this. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good things deeds for God 12 is a foundational principle it is used twice here in scripture to illustrate a point the Lord uses these two women this young girl and this woman to illustrate a point simply this you've got to die you must come to the end of yourself in order for true life to come forth. Now I realize that not everyone will receive this because you, you're wanting to hold on to your life, to hold on to the way that you've been doing things, hold on to your anger. You wanna hold on, hold on to your hatred of other people. You wanna hold on to it, you wanna hold on to it. The Lord said if you hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? You trust God with your soul. You say, Lord, I, I know that when I die, I'll be with you in heaven. You trust that. You trust your eternity with him. Why not trust your time with him? Let us labor to enter into that rest. When we cease from our labor, cease from our works, and we trust in him and we lean on him and rely on him. We get down low and say, Lord, if I can just touch you, because the woman again represents the church. And it is our responsibility now to get down low past the uh, get around the faults of other men and their accusations and their tauntings and their cursings. If I can just get down low enough, live a life that is repentant um, before you, Lord, and come and reach and touch you, identifying with your death, burial, and resurrection, I'll understand that everything that I've been afraid of has been burned up in the fire. Every fear that I've had burned in the fire, every torment burned in the fire, every accusation, every bit of jealousy, envy, and stress has been burned up in the fire. Everything that has hindered me in this life has been burned up in the fire. I declare that in the name of Jesus because, Lord, I died with you. 
And therefore, I will live with you. I live with you. And the life without which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Identify. See your sins burned up. See your mistakes burned up. Everything that has held you in bondage, everything that is holding you back, see them burned up in Christ. See them burned up with him. If not, you will go the rest of your life in perpetual preparation. Always trying to get things together. Always trying to get things together. Always trying to get things to work out. But you won't grow any better. From counselor to counselor to pastor to pastor to church to church to relationship to relationship. To this and that, this and that, this and that. All you're going to do is waste money. Unless you come to the end of yourself and realize the answer is not you and it's not in flesh. Submit to him. Identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. And new life will begin. Father, we thank you for the word you've given us today. Lord, I do pray. I do pray that through the wisdom of your spirit that we can identify and see ourselves, see our sins crucified with you. Every curse, we feel like life is a curse. All of that was crucified with you. And when we died with you on that cross, and when we went to that lower part of the earth, all of that was burned up off of us. We are now new creatures in Christ. All things have passed away. They have perished. Behold, look, all things have become new. We're not that hateful person or that pervert or or that liar, that manipulator, like people said we were. We're not that drunkard or that, that thief. But we're new in Christ. We surrender all. And we know that you are our answer. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to deal with us by your spirit, that you would lead us into truth. And, Lord, everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room or whether they're watching by a television or YouTube, Roku or podcast, radio, however they're listening or watching, Lord, I pray that you will anoint them today for change. Anoint them today, Lord, to break out of that cycle of, prep, of perpetual preparation. Let them see fruit. I thank you, Father, for hearing us and for answering our prayers. We admit that the answer is not in us. It's only found in Jesus. And Lord, we do receive you as our Lord and we do receive you as our Savior. We do say, Lord, come into our hearts, come into our lives, live big in us. We'll serve you all the days of our lives as you show us how. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Join us next time.
Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.